0: Greetings, dark friends, to Dark Corners, and Episode 7 of Wraiths of the Appalachian. We left our protagonist, Eddie Bowen, in a very precarious place at the end of the last episode, as you recall. Something spoke to Eddie in the darkness of the Bell Witch Cave, and touched him. Here's a challenge for this week's episode. Turn out the lights. All the lights. See if you can put yourself in Eddie's place for the full impact of the story. You'll thank me. Or curse me. But either way, it'll be worth it. Let's go. Chapter 7 Pushing Limits Eddie jumped again and scrambled away from the sound, frantic to escape, to get anywhere as long as it was away from whatever he had felt and heard. He scooted backwards, crab-like, until he felt the hard, bumpy wall of the cave against his back. He listened for other movement, but his own ragged breathing drowned out any other sounds. Who... Who's there? He heard nothing in the darkness but the dripping he had heard before. He sat as still as he could, hoping that he wouldn't hear anything, but terrified that he would. Eddie had never been as frightened in his life. Never had he experienced a darkness like what enveloped him now, and to know without a doubt that something had spoken to him, had touched him, was almost more than he could bear. He had no idea how he would be able to get out of the cave without a light, and he was petrified, paralyzed by the fear that something might touch him again. He had no idea how much time had elapsed when his worst fear was realized. Something brushed his cheek like the back of someone's hand. He jerked at the contact, but did not crawl away, having no idea where to go. It could have been a bat, he told himself. It was probably a bat.
1: Is that you, John Bell? Did you come looking for me, you filthy bastard? Did you hope to plow me like one of your running hogs? I am not like your slutty daughter's master, Bell. You can go find your swine for that.
0: Eddie's cheek stung as the sound of a hard slap echoed in the chamber, and he gasped at the painful contact.
1: You cheated me once, you black-hearted villain, and convinced the council you had not. You can rot in hell.
0: Eddie cowered against the wall with his head tucked and his arms covering his head. He waited for more blows that did not come, and when there were no more sounds, he lifted his head again to listen. She said, John Bell, Eddie thought as he rubbed his face. So there is a witch, or at least the ghost of a woman connected to that family. The cave was quiet except for the constant dripping of water into the invisible pool. Eddie shifted his position to where he could search the floor on his hands and knees for the battery he had lost. The light might work even if he could only find the old one, since he still did have one new battery in his pocket. He needed two in the shaft of the flashlight to make the connection. He dreaded the idea that something might grab him again, but the fear of being in the dark was greater. When his hand closed on a battery, he let out a cry of joy. He pulled the flashlight from his pocket and carefully unscrewed the cap on the end where the batteries could be replaced. He slid a fresh battery and the one he had found into the cylinder, screwed the cap back on tight, and pushed the button to turn the flashlight on again. Nothing. Eddie's shoulders sank, and his groan of despair echoed in the chamber.
1: And what exactly is it that ails you, young sir?
0: The voice from the darkness was feminine, but sounded deeper different than the voice he had heard before, but the sarcastic tone was the same.
1: Afraid of the demons that await in the dark? Demons you all accused me of conjuring in the trials?
0: Eddie sat still, afraid if he moved he would be struck again, or worse.
1: But why should I show you the mercy Hathorne Danforth and Reverend Hale denied me? When those foolish girls accused me and Goody Proctor and Goody Putnam of making a pact with the devil, where was your mercy? When we stood on the gallows while the lies were read again, where was your mercy? When they piled heavy stones on Giles Corey's chest, one by one, until the ground turned red from his life's blood, where was your mercy?
0: Eddie's eyes searched the darkness in vain for the source of the voice. As terrified as he was, the names he was hearing brought questions to his mind. Proctor? Putnam? Giles Corey? Those are all names of victims from the Salem witch trials. What do they have to do with the Bell Witch here in Tennessee? The cave grew quiet again, but Eddie felt more exposed and vulnerable without the wall at his back, so he scooted backwards until he felt the hard, slick surface again. The darkness was so intense it felt palpable like a thickness in the air. The muscles in Eddie's neck and back ached from the constant tension as he strained to see something, to hear something besides the constant dripping. Eddie sat trembling in the darkness for a long while, too scared to move or to speak. He didn't know if it had been minutes or hours that had passed when a new sound floated through the air, a woman's pleasant humming. Eddie began to see a very faint glow in the distance which gradually grew until he saw the suggestion of a recognizable form. A pretty woman with dark hair that hung in ringlets, wearing clothes from a time long past, took shape out of the darkness, and yet he felt the woman never quite took form that was completely solid. As she got closer, Eddie could see that she was smiling, and that smile made Eddie more afraid than ever. As she walked slowly towards him, she stopped humming and said,
2: i've got a riddle for you fair sir
0: and then as she continued her approach she began to sing a song that matched the tune she had been humming
2: my pretty maid a fame would i know what thing it is twill breed delight that strives to stand that cannot go that feeds the mouth that cannot bite with a humble down, humble down, humble down, hey. Humble down, humble down, humble down, hey.
0: As she got closer, the spirit woman's black eyes gleamed as if somehow reflecting a light that was not present in the cave, and her smile seemed even more menacing than before.
2: It is a pretty pricking thing, a pleasing understanding thing. It was the truncheon Mars that use a bedward bit that maidens choose. With a humble down, humble down, humble down hey, Humble down, humble down, humble down hey.
0: Eddie tried to push himself further back even though he was already pressed up against the cave wall. The glowing woman stood before him as she continued her song and dropped to all fours before him like a beast preparing to pounce.
2: It is a friar with a bald head, a staff to beat a kurgle dead. It is a gun that shoots point blank. It hits between a maiden's flank with a humble down, humble down, humble down hey, Humble down, humble down, humble down hey.
0: The ghost gently grasped each of Eddie's feet which he had drawn up to his body as he huddled against the chamber wall and as she sang, she pulled them toward her. Eddie was too frightened to resist so that his legs were soon stretched out in front of him.
2: It is a shaft have cubits cut, twill serve to rove to prick to butt, twas ne'er a maid but by her will, will keep it in her quiver still, with a humble-down, humble-down, humble-down hey! humble-down, humble-down, humble-down hey!
0: The woman smiled lasciviously as she crawled up towards Eddie, keeping her eyes intently on his as she straddled his legs. As she sang the last lines of the song, she slid her hands slowly up the sides of his thighs.
2: It has a head much like a mole, and yet it loves to creep and hold The fairest maid that e'er took life for love of this. When
0: she sang the word this, the beautiful face just inches from Eddie's own turned into a grinning skull. She grabbed his crotch with a skeletal hand and squeezed. Became a wife! Eddie screamed, and the figure disappeared with laughter and the (laughs) refrain of the song echoing as it faded to silence in the darkness.
2: With a humble down, humble down, humble down, hey! Humble down, humble down, humble down, Eddie's
0: chest heaved as he panted, his eyes wide although he could see nothing (laughs) in the inky blackness that enveloped him again. He rubbed his eyes and only when he felt wetness on his cheeks did he realize that he was crying. Oh, my God, please stop! No more of this! Please, God, make it stop! Eddie sat against the chamber wall as he fought to gain not only his composure, but his sanity. There was no difference whether his eyes were open or not. The darkness was the same. For hours that might as well have been days, he sat and shivered as the faint sounds of laughter, footsteps, and whispering tortured him in the black void of the cave. Eventually... How long was impossible to tell, since the nightmare Eddie was trapped within made the concept of time incomprehensible. He opened his eyes to see another faint glow in the distance. No, please, no more. Eddie. That voice. That's impossible. It can't be her. Eddie. Again. The form was brighter now, and like the image that came before, it seemed translucent. Rene, how can you be here? You're not a ghost. Unless… Eddie shook his head to dismiss that horrible thought. I'm cracking up, losing it for sure.
1: Eddie, it's me.
0: No, it can't be. Go away. Leave me alone.
1: What are you doing, Eddie? Why are you here? Why aren't you at home?
0: Exactly because of shit like this. Because I'm crazy. Because I'm seeing ghosts everywhere.
1: Do you not love me anymore?
0: Go away. You're not real. I'm not talking to you.
1: Of course I'm real, Eddie. I'm right here.
0: No, you're not. You're just in my head.
1: Hmm. Maybe you're right. Maybe everything about us has been in your head, just the way you want things to be, but not real.
0: Like I'd want all this? Eddie said, waving his arm at the darkness around them.
1: Like having someone who's there for you to comfort and support you without any real commitment on your part.
0: That's not true. Eddie shook his head in frustration, angry with himself for continuing to talk. He put his hands over his ears like a child and squeezed his eyes shut in hopes that the visions would stop. When he finally opened his eyes again, the figure was gone and the cave was dark. He lowered his hands and focused on breathing through his nose to calm himself. I've got to find my way back to the entrance. If I can get to the stream, I can just follow it out. Eddie crawled forward on his hands and knees, feeling the ground before him as he went. When his hands struck a line of rocks, he froze momentarily, remembering the small bones that lay in the makeshift coffin. Shaking off the thought, he continued making his way forward until he felt one of his batteries. Scooping it up, he put it in his pocket, unsure of why he felt the need to do so. Eddie. Eddie's heart sank. The hope that the visions, ghosts or hallucinations, were over, died. Another faint form slowly materialized before him. Like the image of Renee, this visitor was someone he knew.
1: Why do you hate me, Eddie?
0: The figure of Eddie's mother stood before him, her face expressing a sadness that Eddie had seen all too often. I don't hate you, Mom.
1: You hardly ever call or visit, and when you do, you seem so Angry.
0: I don't hate you, he repeated, looking at the ground.
1: It was bad enough to lose your father. Must I lose you too?
0: Eddie looked up and glared at the image of his mother. A flare of anger had replaced his fear. I hate being around you when you're drunk. And you're drunk or stoned all the time.
1: I loved your father so much. I couldn't stand the pain when he died. I didn't
0: want to be alive. But I was hurting too! The tears were flowing freely then, and when he wiped his eyes once again, he found himself alone in the darkness. Leave me alone! All of you, just leave me alone! Another sound caused him to freeze. Something was approaching. A wet tongue licked his face twice. Snarly! Eddie threw his arms around the wolf dog's massive neck and sobbed with relief. The dog sat, allowing Eddie to hug him fiercely. After several minutes, Eddie released the hound, petting his head and rubbing his jowls as he composed himself. So, think you can get us out of here, fella? He gripped a handful of thick fur on Snarly Owl's back and walked with the dog as it led the way through the black void. Before long, they could make out a small patch of daylight in the distance. When they got to the iron gate, they found it standing open, just as they had found it originally. In spite of the fog that engulfed the wooded trail, Eddie felt as relieved when he stepped into the dim morning light as if he had just stepped onto a sun-washed beach. Grateful for the handrail along the steps that aided visitors on their approach and departure from the cave, Eddie marveled at how it now seemed apparent that only one night had passed while he and Snarley had been under the ground. He looked at the wolf-dog, overwhelmed with a flood of emotion. But then, looking more closely, he frowned. ''Come here, fellow,'' he said when they had reached the gravel trail that would lead them back to their van. ''What's all this?'' Eddie gingerly touched the dark, sticky substance under Snarley's jaw and on his chest. This looks like blood. Are you hurt, boy? Eddie ran his hands lightly over the wolf dog, who showed no other signs of injury. You don't seem to be wounded. But whose blood is this? Or hopefully a what instead of a who, Eddie thought. Looks like you were having your own adventure while I was having mine. The two resumed their walk, but at one point along the trail, when the gentle sounds of the river could be heard, Snarly Yow left the path. Oh no, not again. He called out to the wolf-dog, but when Snarley didn't return immediately, he sat on the edge of the path and waited, too exhausted to trail the wolf-dog through the brush. In less than five minutes, Snarley appeared out of the foliage, water dripping from his fur. Ah, good idea, Eddie said as he looked down at his own muddy jeans and jacket, but I'll think I'll wait for a coin laundry in a motel room to clean myself up. Eddie had never been as glad to see the van as when they broke out from the arch of trees that enclosed the trail and saw it sitting in the parking area for the Bell Witch attraction. A white Kia pulled onto the grass near it as Eddie and Snarley drew near, leaving enough space for several vehicles to park between them. An attractive young blonde woman in a long, old-fashioned dress got out and smiled at them. "'I'll be opening up and just—' She broke off as she noted Eddie's muddy clothes. "'Um—' "'Are you all right?' "'Yeah, I just, uh, well, we had a rough night.' "'We?' the woman asked. "'Okay, she doesn't see Snarley,' Eddie noted silently. "'I did,' Eddie said. "'I made a dumb mistake exploring the cave and somehow got locked in there.' "'Oh, wow, that's awful!' "'The woman approached, an expression of concern replacing the caution that had been there,' "'I'm Liz,' she said. "'I work here,' which, I hope, explains the costume." She smiled sheepishly as she gestured at her clothing. "'Did you get separated from a tour?' "'No, I just saw the gate was open late yesterday afternoon and thought I'd check it out. Everything up here was locked up.' "'Oh, the owners will be so pissed if they find out one of us didn't lock the cave up tight. To tell the truth, it shouldn't have been open at all yesterday.' We don't give cave tours after a rain. The cave floods, and it can get pretty dangerous. Yeah, it was pretty wet down there. And he looked down at his clothes again. Do you need anything? No, thanks. I'll be all right once I get some breakfast and can check into a motel. He unlocked the side door of the van and Snarley leapt in. When he shut the door again, without having apparently had a purpose for opening it as far as Liz was able to see, she looked at him with a bemused but concerned expression. Eddie spoke again to break the awkward moment. "'I think I met one of your neighbors yesterday. Kind of a strange woman?' The woman cocked her head and squinted at Eddie. "'We don't have any neighbors that close. What did she look like?' Well, She was wearing a long dress, like yours, only dark. Had her hair pulled back real tight. I thought she was probably someone in costume who worked here. Said she lived over yonder. Eddie gestured past the trees as he had remembered the mysterious woman doing. Seemed like she keeps a close eye on the place because she knew you were closed and that you sometimes keep odd hours. The woman smiled. She's got that right. She's the one that actually suggested that I check out the cave, almost like she knew it would be unlocked. Sounds to me like you met Kate Batts. Not a neighbor, though? Used to be. She lived near here. About two hundred years ago." A chill went up Eddie's spine. A ghost, then? Some people say she's the Bell Witch. Something in her tone made Eddie probe a bit more. But you don't think so? I think the story is more about a spirit than a witch, Liz answered. A mischievous spirit that seemed to know a lot about the Bell family and the people who lived around here. It liked to say all kinds of embarrassing things to the crowds that came to see the phenomenon for themselves. Dirty little secrets. If you do some research, you'll find a fascinating story. She grinned at Eddie. Or you could take one of our tours. Eddie shook his head. No thanks. I think I've had enough of the Bell Witch or whatever haunts this place to last me a lifetime. He walked around the van and unlocked the driver's door. Liz smiled and gave Eddie a little wave as he drove off. As she walked around the cabin and mounted the steps to the gift shop, a woman in a long black dress waited within and smiled. That concludes this episode, dark friends. You can turn on your lights now and climb out from under your blankets. The Bell Witch Cave and the cabin are real places, by the way, just like all the settings for Wraiths of the Appalachian. So you could actually go there and see if you could have an experience like Eddie's. No takers? Well, that would be terrifying. Maybe just stick to the regular tours instead of spending the night in the cave. But that was a nice song, wasn't it? I want to thank Shauna McGinnis, a member of the Dark Corners Facebook group, for providing the voice for our ghost in this episode and for composing and singing that haunting riddle song. The lyrics are very old, but Shauna set the verses to music. You know, perhaps Mama Yuleman could compose an entire album with each track conspired by a riddle from olden days set to eerie music. Pretty sure it'd be one of a kind. With good reason, I suppose. Well, that's enough for this visit. i look forward to seeing you all again soon in the Dark Corners.